Much interpretive academic ink has been spilled over Jesus' lesson today. One issue is that the initial problem of the story contradicts the very ancient idea of right and wrong. Why would a person be praised for perhaps cheating and dishonest work? You aren't supposed to steal things, the last time I heard. It says so, it says so in my new Oxford annotated Bible, the very one handed to me by Bishop Smith on my ordination day. Right there in Exodus, you shall not steal. But in the ordination rite, which we most recently heard during Mother Amy's ordination, is the following. I solemnly declare that I do believe the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the Word of God and to contain all things necessary to salvation. Life is complex, and we have a guidebook in the wisdom of Scripture to help us understand God and what God expects from us. Luke's gospel themes center on misused wealth and preferential treatment of the poor. Jesus always has something important to say about character and judgment and earthly inequity. We wait in expectation when, when he begins his parable of, with the words, there was a rich man. That is certainly an attention grabber, but the next one is even better. The rich man says to his manager or steward, what is this I hear about you? Those words said to you by your boss or your parent or an esteemed friend are a bit heart-stopping. The secret kept is no longer secret. The immortality or immorality of sin, of cheating, other people may initially grab your attention. The real story is actually located here in your heart to what you or who you love. What is this I hear about you, Marcella? <laughs> in, this, <laughs> in this parable, Jesus does not directly examine the wealth of the rich landowner, although his uh, term unrighteous wealth certainly says volumes. No, here his focus is on the one who tends to and touches the wealth on a daily basis, the manager of the money and the land. As a steward, he's probably disliked by the people he works with and is as welcome as a tax collector knocking on your door. Through his own fault, his life is squeezed on both ends of the social scale. He's no longer protected by his employer. He has no social capital with the people he directly encounters, those tenants who work the land and owe the landowner some money. The steward is no longer held in regard by anyone. The steward thinks out loud, hmm, not strong enough for physical labor, and I'm too proud to beg, as the song goes. What should I do? The steward solves his dilemma shrewdly and perhaps not immorally. He's prudent and creative, using the tools he has at his own disposal. What does he do? The steward invites others into his problem. In honor cultures, currency, or in this case, oil and wheat, is exchanged for, well, social security. There was no government social security in the year 30, so he had to create his own. Now the tenants that owe the, owe the landowner are given a break, 
and will then be obligated to help the steward when he is no longer um, has income to support himself. He used the street smarts to solve this problem, and the master is very impressed. So was the reduction of the tenant's bill theft? Perhaps. We see trickery in the book of Genesis in the story of Jacob deceiving Isaac for his blessing. This was to fulfill the will of God. But morally, this doesn't make sense in light of the, re of the receiving of the Ten Commandments later in the book of Exodus. So what do we make of the reduced payment in light of what is actually owed? Initially, the steward's squandering of the property brought the attention of the rich landowner, and from the tenor of the story, it seems it was intentional, or at least neglectful. According to several commentaries on this parable, when the payments were made, the landowner was paid his apportioned amount. The steward eliminated his own payment of his own portion of the payment. Therefore, in this instance, he was the only one losing money. By his shrewd action, the steward gains the indebtedness of those who owe the money and the admiration of the master, though he still lost his job. He has been smart in the ways of the world. As a child of this age, by taking inventory of his situation, and using the resources of the honor culture to his advantage. He was shrewd. The children of the light, the followers of Jesus, according to Jesus, have something to learn from the children of this age. An analogy for today might be someone who's well-schooled in academic training or has a lot of book smarts. But can they solve some of the, but when it comes to skills needed for practical living, like driving a car or putting in a nail, <laughs> they are at loss. There is a lack of experience or skill or imagination to see the possibilities in front of them. Jesus is not instructing us to be deceptive or co coercive like the steward, but he's encouraging us to use our talents, our treasure, our minds, our time and energy to assist in God's continuing work of creation. Jesus is saying to take a big dive and use all those good things that we have been entrusted with for his glory, here and now, so that we can be trustworthy enough for our riches coming to us in heaven. When I came to Trinity by the Cove, pretty much every day, I would hear the word fun a lot. Can you imagine who says that? <laughs> it certainly does not seem to be a feature of our current life, in, at least in media, or in an exchange of toxic social media. And fun wasn't really a descriptor for my seminary experience, especially in lockdown during the pandemic. And even through our adjustments with the new variant of COVID virus last year, I kept hearing the word fun here at church. Are you having fun today? Isn't that fun? Wouldn't it be fun? Even though we were having a little bit of a difficult time. Yes, being church at Trinity is fun. It was an opportunity to think beyond my contemplative self and engage in play. To reorient my thinking from an earnest and serious place to an earnest and more playful place. And to imagine my use of talent, skill, treasure, time, and energy. 
not, not just mine, but those gifts within our community. As we remember all of the good things we have are from God, our work is to be prudent, creative, as we use all these gifts from God for the people of this world. We are to be as faithful with little as we are faithful in much, and faithful with our time, treasure, talent, friendships. You can just keep adding to that list of blessings that we have in this life. So many riches, so that we may be entrusted with the riches of heaven. Be shrewd, be prudent, be creative, be a good steward, and as Father Steve likes to say, do serious things, important things, and have some fun along the way. So when you hear Jesus' question, what is this I hear about you? I hope it doesn't create a new fear and anxiety, but resonates like a song within you in such a manner that brings God great joy.